Amen. Today I'm beginning a new series called Overwhelmed, Learning to Let Go of Anxiety. According to the National Institute of Mental Health, anxiety disorders in America today are reaching an epidemic proportion. In fact, one researcher said that anxiety-related issues are the number one mental health problem among women today, and it's second only to alcohol and drug abuse among men. But anxiety is, a, is an issue we all struggle with, we all deal with, some more than others, but it is a very real problem in our world, it's a very real problem in our nation. We are living in an age of anxiety. And of course, a lot of that right now is due to the COVID pandemic. Substantial impact on all Americans. I don't know of anybody that has not been impacted in one way or another from COVID. I would say that every one of us, not that all of us have been sick, but every one of us, all of those watching over in the Life Center, every one of us have been impacted in one way or another by COVID. It's disrupted our work. It's disrupted our school systems. It's disrupted our health care, our economy, uh, even the, the supply chain. I, I never even thought about the supply chain until all of this started. Even the supply chain uh, has been affected uh, on a daily basis in our world. It's a strange time. Car dealers can't get cars. Mechanics can't get parts. Companies can't find workers. It's an unusual combination of factors that we have never seen before. In our lifetimes. And every day we have to deal with the persistent drumbeat of a crisis that shows no sign of letting up anywhere in the near future. And in these anxious days, we add to that our own personal problems, our own personal struggles, our own personal issues, whether they be marital or medical or financial. There's just all kinds of things happening in our lives and around our lives that tend to make us anxious. So in these anxious days, is there a word from God? Does the Bible have anything to say about this problem? Uh, that's why we're doing this series. It's going to be a four-week series, overwhelmed, because I see so many people that are on edge. I see so many people that are, that are anxious and worried and stressed. And so if I could summarize this series in a sentence, it would be this. We live in anxious times, but we don't have to be anxious people. That's what I hope you learn over the next four weeks. We certainly live in anxious times, but we don't have to be anxious people. Maybe I can say it to you this way. Anxiety is a part of our world, but it doesn't have to be a part of your life. You would think that probably as Christians... That we're exempt from anxiety. You would think, I mean, we know the God who created everything, right? We, we have a personal relationship with the God of the universe. So what do we have to be worried about? What do we have to be anxious about? Well, apparently quite a bit. The Bible addresses anxiety in both the Old and the New Testament. In my study, in preparation for this series, I've been amazed at how many times the different places and different people dealt with Anxiety. In both the Old and the New Testaments, it's a problem that has been plaguing mankind for centuries and centuries. For two examples, real quickly, David, the great king of God, the 
man after God's own heart. David said in Psalm 139 verse 23, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. We're going to actually turn to that scripture later in the series. So I don't, I don't want to say too much about it. But David acknowledged, there are days when I have anxious thoughts. There are days when anxiety occupies my mind. Psalm 94 verse 19, the psalmist said, When anxiety is great within me, your consolation brought great joy to my soul. Notice that the psalmist said that there are days when anxiety is great within me. There may be some days like that for you. Days when anxiety is great within you. Days when it just seems like it just keeps piling up and it just keeps getting worse. So today I want to ask and answer two very simple questions. And I want to ask and answer uh, these questions in such a way that you might even look at the text and say, Wow, I'm surprised that I haven't noticed this before. Because what we're going to be looking at today is so simple and yet so powerful. And so I want to ask two questions that are very simple. The first question is going to be this. What does anxiety do to us? And the second question we're going to look at is this. What are we to do with our anxiety? So it's going to be a very simple message. What does anxiety do to us? And what are we to do with our anxiety? So if you would, just for a moment, turn to your neighbor and say, you probably need this. Go ahead and tell them. You probably need it, and you probably need it, and you probably need it, and you probably need it, and, you pro- and I need it too. Anxiety is a problem that affects all of us. I don't think there's anybody here in this building or anybody over in the Life Center who could say, I've never been anxious about anything. It's just a problem that we all deal with. It's a problem we all have to face. So the first question, it's a very simple question, but a, an important and powerful question. What does anxiety do to us? Anxiety is a condition in which the mind is simply being pulled in two directions. In fact, the very definition of the word anxious means to divide or to distract. That there are circumstances in your life, there are things happening in and around your life, and it has caused your mind to be divided or to be distracted. It means to have a battle or a war going on inside of you that just feels like it's pulling you apart. Anxiety is basically a fearful reaction to our circumstances. Write that down. It's basically a fearful reaction to our circumstances. It's the unsettling awareness. Listen to this. It's the unsettling awareness that we are not in control. And we don't like the situations that we face sometimes when we are not in control. A lot of us are control freaks. We want to be in charge and in control of everything. And anxiety is the unsettling awareness that we're not in control. One commentator called it our response to a load of trouble that comes from our lot in life. I want to show you how the Bible answers this question. What does anxiety do to us? Would you take God's word and open to Proverbs? Proverbs chapter 12, verse 25. Proverbs chapter 12, verse 25. Here's what the Bible says anxiety does to us. An anxious heart weighs a man down. 
But a kind word cheers him up. Just focus on the first half of that verse. Here's what anxiety does to us. An anxious heart weighs a man down. In other words, we feel the weight physically. We feel the weight emotionally. We feel the weight spiritually. We feel the weight emotionally. It it just feels heavy sometimes in our lives. An anxious heart weighs a man down. That's what anxiety does to you. Now, you probably would admit with me that anxiety is kind of a strange thing because it creeps up on you before it attacks you. It kind of sneaks up behind you sometimes. You don't see it coming all the time. It's not really a storm in life. It's not like you're in the middle of it and it's like, I'm in the middle of a storm. That's not anxiety. Anxiety is not being in the middle of a storm. Anxiety is the certainty that a storm is coming. Sometime, somewhere, a storm is coming. That's anxiety. It's a suspicion. It's an an apprehension. It's a sense of dread that hovers over you because of what might happen. Did you catch that? It's not that you're living in a storm right now. It's just the sense of dread that a storm might happen. It's the fear of what might be ahead. Anxiety and fear, uh, by the way, are related, but they're not twins. Fear sees a real threat. Anxiety imagines one. Fear is something I ha- it's, it's fight or flight. Fear is something I have to face. Anxiety is something that hovers there around me. Now, if you haven't felt the sting of anxiety lately, just wait, because I can tell you, it's, not, not, it's never very far away. Did you know it's estimated, according to one study that I read, that 40 million people suffer with anxiety in the United States. So what does anxiety do to us? The the easy question, the simple question, what does anxiety do to us? The Bible says anxiety weighs us down. And some of you say, that's exactly the way I feel. I feel so burdened, and I feel so worried, and I feel so anxious And sometimes it almost feels like I'm not even sure I can move. I'm afraid of what tomorrow is going to bring. I'm afraid of what's going to happen the next day or the day after that. And anxiety weighs your heart down. Now the Bible doesn't say you'll never feel anxious. Please understand this. The Bible does not say you will never feel anxious. It says when you do feel anxious, there is something you can do with it. When you do feel anxiety, there is something you can do with it. There is a way to handle it. So that brings me to the second question where I really want to land the message and focus. The second question is, what are we to do with our anxiety? We talked about what anxiety is, what it does to us, but what are we to do with our anxiety? This is where I want you to go to 1 Peter chapter 5, and this is where we're going to camp out. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 7. While you're turning there, 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 7 is a very familiar verse and very famous verse, one that perhaps you have memorized. But let me, say, let me share something with you that I read recently that grabbed my attention. I was reading something about Bible study, and the author made this statement. He said, never read just one verse of Scripture. Now, I know you're turning, so let me just say it again. He said, never read just one verse of Scripture. 
Now you've heard me say before that context is important, that every text has a context. He was essentially saying the same thing. You should never read just one verse of Scripture. Because if you don't read the verses around that verse, you may not understand it completely or you may not apply it correctly. So never read just one verse of Scripture. Look at the context so that you can understand it completely and apply it correctly. Now 1 Peter 5.7 is a great example of what we're talking about when we say you should never read just one verse. 1 Peter 5.7 is a powerful verse. It is also kind of poetic in the way that it's written. But the verses before and after this verse help shape the message of what God says to us about anxiety. And if you just look at 1 Peter 5.7 and you don't look at the verses before it and after it, you may miss how God says you should handle your anxiety. So, 1 Peter 5.7, let's read it and then we're going to look at the verses around it. 1 Peter 5.7 says, Cast all your anxiety on Him because... He cares for you. Now, in this one verse, yes, God gives us a wonderful way to deal with our anxiety. He gives us a wonderful way to reframe the way we face our fears. It's it's, it's a wonderful verse and a wonderful promise, but this is not where we start. Hear me, church. This is not where you start. If you want to deal with your anxiety, you don't start with verse 7. Don't disconnect verse 7 from verses 5 and 6. Look at what verses 5 and 6 say. Young men, in the same way, be submissive to those who are older. And all of you, clothe yourselves with humility toward one another because God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand that He may lift you up in due time. Those two verses are connected to verse 7. Let me state the obvious. Don't disconnect verse 7, the wonderful promise that it is. Don't disconnect verse 7 from verses 5 and 6. And here's what we learn if we read this text. Humble yourselves, verse 6. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that He may lift you up in due time. It seems to me, if I'm reading this text correctly, if I'm keeping these verses together, it seems to me that the presence of anxiety is sometimes directly related to the absence of humility. I want to write that down. The presence of anxiety is sometimes directly related to the absence of humility. You see, the root of our anxious hearts is often pride. And if that offends you, you you probably have a bigger problem with pride than you realize. You see, you and I worry about things that we can't control. We worry about things that, that we can't fix. And we fear about things that are in the future. And we put it all on our shoulders. Can I say to you, God did not give you shoulders big enough to carry that load. He did not give you the responsibility to carry all the problems that you face. He did give you the responsibility to pray about those problems, but He did not give you the responsibility of solving all of those problems because you can't do that. And many times, the anxiety that we feel is the direct result of the pride that we have thinking that we can fix it and we can change it 
and we can solve it, and we can stop it, and we, we're going to make a difference, and we're going to fix the situation. We fixed it before, we're going to fix it again. It might just be that my anxiety problem really is a pride problem. Now let me illustrate this to help you understand where, what, what I mean by this. Uh, let's just imagine that, that I'm coaching a flag football team. I, I'm not only coaching, but I'm a player coach, and I'm playing quarterback. I always wanted to play quarterback in football anyway, so in my own imaginary story, I'm going to be the quarterback. I'm going to be the coach. I'm a player coach, and, and it's a flag football team. It's an old men's flag football team, okay? We, we can't play tackle anymore because we're going to hurt one another, and so it's an old men's flag football team. I'm the player coach. We've never won a game. All season long, we've lost. We got, we got killed every game of the season. Now we're down to the final game of the season. And I'm all tore up about it because I'm stressed out that, that as the player coach, as the quarterback and coach, it's, it's all on my shoulders. We've got to at least win a game. I'm going to be humiliated if we don't win a game. We've got to win a game. And I'm confiding in a friend about, man, I'm just so, I'm in knots about this game tomorrow. And we're, we got practice today, and, and we're going to practice hard, and, and maybe we can figure it out. And, and as I'm confiding in my friend, my friend says, let me call a guy. Well, he calls a guy. He didn't say who it is. He calls a guy. And sure enough, his friend shows up, and his friend happens to be Tom Brady. If you don't know who Tom Brady is, he's the greatest quarterback to ever live, um, and he's currently still playing uh, and with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And, and Tom Brady says, you know what? I, we've got to buy this week. I'll, I'll, I'll be your quarterback. Now, all of a sudden, we don't have a problem anymore, do we? We got no problem. Until I say, Tom, that's okay, I got this. You, 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 just, you just sit down. I appreciate it. I mean, that, that's awful kind. Tom, I got this. I mean, I've been, I've been watching the game film, and I've been studying, and, and I, I'm just too nervous to give you the football. And so, so I got this. I, I'm going to take care of it. And if I did that, if I actually said to Tom Brady, in essence, I trust me with the football more than I trust you with the football. If I did that, my friend would say to me, Keith, you don't have a football problem, you have a pride problem. And the crazy thing is, we've got somebody greater than Tom Brady in our lives, Almighty God, creator of the universe, and we don't have an anxiety problem, we have a pride problem. Because we say to God, the creator of everything, the sustainer of the universe, I got this. Or sometimes we'll give it to Him, but then we take it back tomorrow, as if He can't handle it. And we put all of this on our shoulders as if we're the answer. As if we can fix it all. As if we can solve every problem. Maybe you don't have an anxiety problem. Maybe you have a pride problem. Now, we would never say to God, I got this, you don't need to handle this. We'd never say that to God. But isn't that the way that we live our lives sometimes? Anxious and worried and fearful as if it all is on our shoulders. If you're going to start to deal with anxiety, biblically, don't start at verse 7. Start at verse 6. Here's the first step in dealing with your anxiety. Humble yourself before God. 
Here's what it says in the text. Humble yourselves therefore under God's mighty hand that he may lift you up in due time. Can I tell you why that is so important? Until we humble ourselves before God and trusting in God's mighty hand, we are actually shutting ourselves off from God's help. Look at verse 5. Verse 5 says, God opposes the proud, but He gives grace to who, church? The humble. Do you want God to oppose you or do you want God to help you? Do you want God to stand with you or do you want God to stand against you? The Bible says God opposes the proud, but He gives grace to the humble. Now you may say to him, Pastor Keith, I've got good reason to be anxious. And you probably do. In fact, as I typed those very words in my notes, my phone was sitting on my desk and my phone dinged and it was a text from someone. I won't say who or what it was, but it was a text from someone and they told me about a problem that they and their family were facing. And when I read that, my heart sank and all I could say was, oh my goodness. I'm so broken hearted by what what my phone was telling me as I was reading this text. So let me be clear, let me say it again, because I don't want you to think that I'm hard-hearted. You often have reasons to be anxious. You often have reasons to be worried. But let me frame it for you. You have reason to be anxious and worried when you hear about a problem, but then what do you do about it is the question. You've got reasons to be anxious. I mean, if I had to face what you're facing, I probably would be anxious and fearful too. You've got reasons when you hear about it, but then what do you do about it? That brings us to the second step. The first step is humble yourselves under God's mighty hand. Humble yourselves before the Lord. Just to admit to Him, God, I don't have all the answers, and God, I can't fix it all, and God, I don't know what's going to happen in the future. I'm just humbling myself before you because I'm trusting in you. That's the first step. Humble yourself before God. The second step is in verse 7, in dealing with anxiety. And here it is. That famous verse, cast all your anxiety on Him because He cares for you. But you've got to keep it in the right order. Humble yourself, verse 5 and 6. Humble yourselves before God. And when you humble yourselves before God and recognize you are not God, then you're ready to cast all of your anxiety on the one who is God. Is this making sense to anybody? When I recognize I am not God and I humble myself under God's mighty hand, then the second step, I am ready to cast all of my anxiety on the one who is God. Look at that first word in verse 7, at least in the NIV, it's the word cast. It's a graphic word, it's a great word, it doesn't mean to... It doesn't mean to relocate something from one place to another. In other words, look up here. It's not saying, okay, I've got my Bible here and I'm going to move it to over here. That's not what the word cast means. It doesn't mean to relocate something, to, to move something from one place to another. No, this word is a decisive word and it really literally means to throw it away from you, to get rid of it. Uh, Let me give you a word picture. Those of you who have teenagers, those of you over in the Life Center, you are a teenager, or if you have teenage grandkids or something like that, 
You remember on Friday, you've seen your teenagers do this, or if you are a teenager, I bet you've done this. They come in on Friday, they walk into the, into the house, they've got their backpack on, they walk back to the bedroom, and they take that backpack off, and they do it all in one motion. They grab it, and they sling it across the room against the wall. Because it's Friday. They're not going to need that for a while. And so they just take that backpack and sling it across the bed into the corner. That's what the word cast means. Or another word picture, back before the trash men had these automated trucks that would pick up the trash can for you. You remember the trash man used to come by and he'd grab your bags and he'd throw them into the back of the trash truck. That's what the word cast means. It doesn't mean simply to relocate something from one person to another. It simply means to take it and you're going to get rid of it. You're going to throw it away from you. So here's what the Bible says. Here's how you deal with your anxiety. Your anxiety is, the way you deal with it is to cast it. The Bible says you don't just cast it away. No, look what it says in this text. Here's what it says. Cast all your anxiety, not some of it, all of it. Cast all your anxiety on Him. Talk to me. Who is Him? God. Cast all your anxiety on the one who is God. So here's the second step in dealing with anxiety. Cast all your anxiety onto God. If you want to deal with anxiety, humble yourself before God, step number one. Step number two is cast all your anxiety onto God. Let me be very clear about something. Feeling anxious is not bad, but staying anxious is the problem. You see, the Bible admits there will be times when you feel anxious. There will be times when you have anxiety. Feeling anxiety, feeling anxious is not the, the issue. Staying anxious is the problem. And the Bible says God is willing to help you with the anxiety you're trying to carry. In fact, God invites you to cast it upon Him. Now, you may not be able to remove the cause of your anxiety. You may not be able to change the circumstances related to your anxiety. But it is not the circumstances that are being addressed here. Our anxiety is being addressed. The anxiety produced by those circumstances. You may not be able to change the circumstances. The circumstances may not be uh, removable. They may be what they are. You, you may not be able to do anything about the circumstances. But our anxiety is being produced by those circumstances. That's the anxiety we're to cast upon the Lord. Reminds me of Psalm 55, 22. You don't have to turn there. I'll quote it for you. Write it down in your notes. Psalm 55, 22 says, Cast your burden on the Lord and He will sustain you. I'll pause for a moment and say, but some of you need to cast that burden on the Lord, don't you? You've carried it for a while. Some of it, for some of you, people don't even know what it is. You know. You've been carrying it. And you're struggling under the load of it. And God is saying to you today, you were never meant to carry that. Cast it on me. God wants you to help, God wants to help you remove the anxiety you're feeling in your heart. Say, well, Keith, why would God do that? Well, it answers it in the second part of verse 7. I want you to notice in verse 7 that there is a because in verse 7. 
Cast all your anxiety on Him because, underline this, He cares for you. God cares about you and He cares about what you're going through. God cares about you. And He cares about what you're going through. So often, we trust God in the abstract, right? Yes, we know He is a trustworthy God. Yes, we know He will work all things out for our good. Generally speaking, we understand and believe all of that. Theoretically, we know those things. But a text like this is challenging us to lay specific anxious things on the Lord. To take our specific anxiety, the specific problems that we're challenged with, and to lay those on God. To trust Him specifically with the cares about what we're facing tomorrow or next week. Those things that cause you anxiety... Those are the things. God says, cast them on me because I care for you. Now the Greek language in this verse is so interesting. The, the verse could be translated, that, that verse, that second half of the verse, because he cares for you. It could be translated this way. It matters to him concerning you. If you were going to translate it literally, it would be those words. Cast all your anxiety on him because it matters to him Concerning you. I want you to feel that for a moment. It matters to Him concerning you. It matters to Him concerning what you are feeling. It matters to Him concerning what you are struggling with. It matters to Him what you are fearful about. It matters to Him concerning your upcoming surgery. It matters to Him that your marriage is a mess. It matters to Him that your finances are tight. It matters to Him that you need a job. It matters to Him concerning you. Cast all your anxiety on Him because it matters to Him concerning you. J.B. Phillips translates the second half of verse 7 this way. You are His personal concern. Let that sink in for a moment. Cast all your anxiety on Him because you are His personal concern. Now the question is, do you believe that? Or a better question is, do you live like that? Do you live like you can cast all your anxiety on God because you know that you are His personal concern? See, the Bible's answer to anxiety is a faith response. A faith response. Cast all your anxiety on Him because He cares for you. You are His personal concern. Listen, don't surrender to your circumstances. Surrender your life to the Lord who controls your circumstances. Because you are His personal concern. So how do we handle our anxiety? Number one, humble yourself before God. Number two, as hard as it may be, 
Cast your anxiety upon God. And the reason I say that is hard is because we want to keep it on our shoulders. We want to keep it in our hands. We want to solve it and fix it. And God says you were never made to do that. So cast your anxiety on the Lord because you are His personal concern. But then there's a third step that I need to call to your attention. Because you see, just like there are verses before verse 7, there's also a verse after verse 7. And do not disconnect verse 7 from verse 8. What does verse 8 say? Be self-controlled and alert. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Again, a very familiar verse. The third step in dealing with anxiety is to be alert. Because your enemy, the devil, would do his best to use this circumstance to break your faith. Be alert because your enemy, the devil, will use these problems cause you to doubt God. Be alert because your enemy, the devil, is going to use this problem to drive a wedge between you and the Lord. Be self-controlled and alert. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. You and I can't change the circumstances that, that happen in life. We, we, we can't solve all the problems that arise in life. And if there is this sense of dread hovering over you about something that might happen in the future, that ought to drive you to God as you cast those anxieties upon Him. As you humble yourself before Him. And watch this. If you don't humble yourself before God, and if you don't cast those anxieties upon God, I can promise you the devil will be glad to use them against you. He'll be glad to use them against you tomorrow. Or the next day. Or the next day. Now there's a lot more we're going to be talking about in this series, but... This verse is, this passage is foundational to it all. If you memorize scripture, memorize this one. Underline it in your Bible. Put it on your refrigerator. Remind yourself that you are to humble yourself before God when anxiety rises up within you. Humble yourself before God and admit you're not God. Cast all of your anxieties on Him, believing He is God. And then being alert, knowing that at this time, the devil would like nothing better than to use this problem to break your faith. Now let's pray about that. Would you join me? Thank you, Father, for reminding us that the Bible's answer to anxiety is a faith response. And I, I just pray over these precious people and those that are watching in the Life Center. And some of them have problems in their personal life or problems in, connected with their families. And it is heartbreaking. And it is scary. And there are circumstances for which we don't have an answer. But I pray for them. 
I pray that in the midst of anxious days, they would humble themselves before you. And in these anxious times, they would cast their anxiety upon you. And then I pray they would walk in the awareness that there is an enemy who is trying to attack them. Thank you for the truth of your word. Help us to live in that this week. I pray that in Christ's name. Amen.